This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at the ZTalkRadio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And this past week, I had an evening in which I was in the flow, um, or the, in the zone. I guess their athletes might call it being in the zone. Uh, and I, I mentioned it on Facebook, and I said, creatives will know what this means. I, I'm in the flow. I, I put that up on Facebook while I was in that state. And it, it's... I say creatives, artists, uh, musicians, you know, writers. Uh, there's, there's sometimes it happens where you're working on something, and you know, something artistically, and everything just seems to be going right, and you just, you're just going, and time seems to not exist. It's just you're just working on it. And there's, you know, it's just, and it's just working. <laughs> and I suppose you don't have to be a creative to have moments like that happening. You could be in some other endeavor and your work is just, or your hobby or something is just really taking you through the zone, into the flow. You're just, you're just going. And it's, it's hard to describe exactly. Um... Now, I'm speaking of this from an artist's standpoint. Uh, I am an artist. Uh, I'm a cartoonist. Uh, I'm a drawer. Uh, I, can, I can do fairly decent, realistic-looking portraits uh, and drawings. Um, I've, from, from a fairly early age, you know, all kids draw, uh, I guess, at some point early on, but some some kids just continue to, to draw and they get better and they, they become the artists. <clears throat> Where other kids just sort of lose the interest in doing the drawing stuff. And I was just one that just kept drawing. And I noticed that somewhere, I don't know, around the fourth grade, I began to notice that I separated myself a bit from most of the rest of the class when it came to drawing. There were still some kids that were pretty good. But I seem to be able to do it just a little bit better. Uh, when copying a photograph or another drawing, I seem to be more accurate um, and just a little bit better. And when just making up... A, 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 and I would draw a lot of people. I tended to draw people because I guess I was influenced by comic books. I would just t I would tend to do it better. And then that continued on through junior high and continued on through high school. And But, you know, it just... 
kept going and into, into art school. I was one of the better drawers in my class. Not necessarily the best, but I was among the top ones. There were some, there's a couple that I think back to that were pretty good that I might think were a little bit better than me, or at least, yeah, it just were, I was close to them. <laughs> but I was, I just was better uh, than, you know, in, in drawing. I, I wasn't really good in other things like typography. I just didn't have the patience for that. And I always marveled at those who did to do the precise drawing and to get the curves just right and the weight of the letters just right and do that by hand using using various tools and such. But I just I just marveled. I might be able to come up with an idea and do a sketch of a of a some sort of you know typographic design. But I just I executing it just wasn't my thing, and I just. I think it was just I just didn't have the patience, and I remember there was a, a, a student, a fellow student in the school, and she she remarked to me about my ability to do to do cartoons, to do little cartoon drawings and come up with something funny or just just do a cartoony drawing. She didn't know how I could. You know, she's I just you know she was amazed at how I could do that, and I said, well, I think it's you know she was one of those people that could do the good typography. I said, I think your eye for design and typography is just I I don't know how you you know I mean you 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 excel at that. I mean that's your thing, and this is a little bit more my thing, and that's how we work, right? So back to the flow. Uh, I've been doing, I mentioned it last week, I've been doing uh, an Inktober, along with a bunch of other people on the on the internets. Uh, I, I've, I've set myself up this month with a little more of a task to it in that uh, it's not just um, whatever comes to mind from the one word prompt that they've, that they've decided to put up for each day. Uh, just whatever comes to mind that might relate to that. What I've set myself to do is to think of a movie scene that relates to that. And the movie generally, mostly, has to be, or doesn't have to be, but uh, is in general a horror movie because I'm still, you know, it's Halloween month and I'm kind of going with that. And so I was, I've been doing some decent pieces. I talked about a few last week. And uh, so this week... Uh, on Wednesday, the prompt was wild, and I decided to go with a scene from the uh, the 2009 film, Where the Wild Things Are. You know, it's the classic kids book from uh, by Maurice Sendak, which I I credit with at least giving me uh, some inspiration to draw, and I'm a I'm a cross hatcher. I do I do the lines back and forth and up and down and vertical and all that, but more loose. Not there are cross-hatching where the lines are much more are precise and they're spaced out just right and they go in every direction to to create tone. My cross-hatching is uh, much more loose. It's just kind of scribble, if you will, back and forth and you know, whatever directions that I just happen to be working in to get the tones that I want in my drawing. And there's other forms of, uh, of doing that. You can work in a, in a soft medium that you can rub. Uh, you can use little paper sticks. They, they have these little the paper sticks that have a tapered uh, tip that you can use that to rub. Uh, charcoal or graphite or uh, 
pastels type stuff if you can you can you can do that or you can use your finger or you can use um, you know whatever you know anything that you can rub across the paper the stuff on the paper or the board that you're drawing on and then there's uh, there's stipple which is the dot pointillism it's also called that but stipples where you just you just do dots and dots and dots and tick 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 dot 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 uh, I don't know if I've ever done a stipple drawing I may have I can't remember ever doing one um, I might have but I you know maybe in art school I don't know if I, I might have been assigned to do a stipple drawing I might have done little sections where I did some you know stipple like uh, uh, you know the texture of a shark's skin which is kind of sandpapery so I might have done a little bit there uh, and I think back on it I think maybe but I was never into the stippling thing it just wasn't my thing I was a crosshatcher and I credit at least in part where the wild things are the artwork in there done by Maurice Sendak uh, his is, is a crosshatching style at least in that book it's a little more precise crosshatching cross style I think than, than what I do but still I think that was a, an influence on there and I, I've been looking back through these drawings that I've done and all but two of them uh, have have people in them, uh, um, and I, so I, I guess I'm a people person when it comes to drawing. Uh, the, the one that doesn't have people in it is a scene from um, the Blair Witch Project, which is showing uh, the stick figures that were hanging in the trees. I, that's almost a people, right? It's a stick figure of a person type thing, but still not people. And one I did for Husky, which is a scene from the movie The Thing, which I think I mentioned last week, which is where the creature is, 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 is it was hiding itself as a dog and then it's transforming into something else or back into its actual form or something like that. And it's a very bizarre looking dog. Uh, so anyway, I did Wild for Wednesday. And uh, so I, I posted it and I, th and I was at work during the day and I didn't really have much going on so I thought ah, what the heck I'll just move on ahead and I'll do the next drawing and the next prompt was ornament and I thought of the movie Phantasm from 1979 I've never actually seen the movie but it's a it's a horror movie uh, that has um, in it that has this this chrome ball that flies through the air and it's got these spikes that come out of it and it and it you know it slams itself into people's heads or something and I have a it's a close-up shot of a guy that's got it stuck in his face and he's trying to pull it out uh, so I, I drew the, I I did the layout for that during the day I started doing, and then I as the day went on I thought well I'll just keep drawing on it and I started working on this it's a close-up you see a guy's hair so I started working on the hair and when I got home I thought well, I'll finish that up tonight uh, there was no ball game to watch on Wednesday because it was rained out and so I had no ball game, baseball game, to pay attention to. And if it was, I might have just listened to it on headphones if I was going to continue to draw. Uh, but I, I, I said, well, uh, I made supper, uh, had something to eat, and then sat down and finished this drawing. And that's when the flow started happening. I just, I got that done. It worked pretty well for me. And so then I thought, okay, let's keep going. Let's go to, you know, the next day's prompt, prompt uh, for the 18th, which is the, the, the day I'm recording this, I believe, right? Is that today, the 18th? Yes. Uh, so I posted, well, well, the prompt was Misfit. And Misfit, uh, I thought of the band, the Misfits, which is sort of a punkish metal goth 
band kind of thing. I really don't know that much by them, uh, but I do know their the imagery that they use for their uh, for their album covers and T-shirts and such. And what it shows is a is a, a cloaked figure that's wearing the the mask of uh, of a skeleton, as a skull mask. And the hands are the gloves that have the the bones, the hand bones, uh, over the top of the of the gloves. And so this, and that character, which I ha I just I don't know where I learned it, but I happen to know that it came from uh, the old movie serials. You know what those were? Uh, they were ten-minute short films that uh, were a series that each week there'd be the next chapter in this series. So, so they might go, I don't know, five chapters or ten chapters or something like that. And it'd be eight minutes or ten minutes long. And each chapter would end with a cliffhanger, like a, a car going over the cliff, and you thought, oh, our hero's going to die. And that's yeah, and, and then the, the next chapter for the next week, you, you'd see it, and it would be, you know, oh, you, they'd show the miraculous way the guy... You know, the hero uh, avoided dying in the car crash, and it was a way to get people to come back to the theaters every week too, because there'd be a new serial next week. It wouldn't be something you know, so that would get people to come back and watch the movie. I mean, I'm not sure how long they would hold the serial, you know, week to week to week. But I think it was just each week it would be the new part. And there was a series called The Crimson Ghost, and The Crimson Ghost was a a crime lord guy. He was this genius, and he held, he hid his identity from the guys who worked for him and from the world, and and he pl plotted these great crimes. And this was from 1946. So I decided to f look for an image from uh, the the one of those films, and I found one, and I drew it, and it turned out really nice. I thought this is good. I I, I was good, and I'm flowing. I'm still flowing, and I said, you know what? It's only like 10 or 11 or whatever at that point it was. And I said, well, let's move on to the next one. The next day's prompt is Sling. And the thing that came to mind there was Sling Blade, the, uh, the 1996 film uh, starring Billy Bob Thornton. I believe he wrote the film. I'm not sure if he directed it. And he plays the lead character in there, which I neglected to look, look up the guy's name, who is a character that has, um, he's mentally challenged. He has uh, disabilities. Um, and he's and and there's this slight worry of danger from him <laughs> because something could happen. And uh, but he's he befriends a kid who has an abusive stepfather, I think it is, uh, played by uh, oh jeez, what's his name? I lost it. I had it for a second there. Dwight Dwight something. Dwight Yoakam. That's it. Played by Dwight Yoakam. Does a good job as the as the nasty stepfather. Uh, but anyway, so Billy Bob Thornton does this thing with his face. Now, I don't know if he has any kind of prosthetic in his jaw, you know, in his mouth to jut out the, the lower jaw or anything like that, if it's just holding, just how he holds his face. And, you know, so it, it just kind of has a, a look to him. I'll link to these images. I'll, I'll put them on the uh, this week's show notes so you can take a look at the, the latest ones I'm talking about here. Um, and, uh, and you can get to that show notes page by going to dimland.com and clicking on the, the blog option, and you'll get to the show notes. Anyway, so I found an image of uh, Billy Bob Thornton as this Sling Blade character, and I just sat and I started drawing it. Now, these drawings that I'm doing, I'm doing them in ballpoint pen. 
start to finish. There's no pencils first to figure out where everything. I just start drawing a ballpoint pen. I do use a little bit of whiteout every now and then if I need to, uh, because I well, didn't quite get that part right. So I'll, 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 you know, put a little whiteout tape in there and I'll move along. So it, it just, it, it really worked pretty well. I, it turned out I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Uh, some people on the Inktober uh, Facebook page, the people that are living in the future, the ones that are ahead of us in the time zones, there's already some images coming up for Sling, and I've seen at least one uh, uh, that has the Sling Blade character that I've done. So we'll see how many that you know how many things can you think of when you hear Sling. No, I'm not sure. So I thought I got that one done, and I said, what the heck? It's not quite midnight yet. Let's do the next one. So the next prompt is Tread. And this one I go with a made-for-TV movie, uh, The Hound of the Baskervilles. And this one is from uh, 1988, and it stars Jeremy Brett as, as Sherlock Holmes. And he's my favorite of the Sherlock Holmes actors that I've seen. Um, and it's the, it's the classic story, Hound of the Baskervilles. And there's a scene in, the, in, the, in this version that has uh, uh, the bad guy trying to get away through the Grimpen Mire, which is this log, large, boggy area, which normally he can traverse because he knows the pathways through it, and he can get to this. There's an island in the center of it, and he can get to it. Uh, but and he's, you know, he's trying to get away from the authorities, and it's it's night, and he's sort of panicked, so he's he loses track of where he is, and he ends up sinking into the bog, and uh, you know, ends up drowning. Spoiler, sorry, but uh, and the actor who plays this character and I did not get his name. Sorry again, I'm not. Uh, I should be more thorough. But anyway, the actor who plays him, he really does commit to this 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 scene. Um, I'm sure it's not an actual bog. I'm sure it's something that's a, a set that's built so that they can protect him, <laughs> so that he doesn't actually drown. Um, but uh, he he gets into this, he slips into this water that has all kinds of uh, vegetation and mud and muck and all that kind of floating on top of the water, as well as the dirty, dirty water that he's going into. At least that's what we're being shown, and you know, for the story, I'm not sure what they use to make the bog on on the set. But he gets in there, and he and he's and he's sinking lower and lower. Now his head is just about the only thing he's got up over the water and even that's starting to sink in and he's crying for help and uh, and as he does so he's got his mouth wide open and the water with all that gunk and crap in it is flowing into his mouth he actually he's, he's allowing that to happen and then in he goes under the water and I mean he really committed to it <laughs> this stuff is it's all kind of gunky and clingy. His teeth get all brown, and his and the cheeks that got under the water, and then he pushes back up. That's all clung to with the with the stuff on the water, and it's just I don't know what it was, but um, like I'm gonna tell you, that's that's an actor who committed to that that scene and getting it just right. Perhaps he was in the flow, and it was just it was just something. It I it's not some it it does happen for me on occasion when I do drawing work uh, but not so much lately um i'm not sure why it just it's but i do it's it's it was just it was it was just really nice and i just wow i'm just really going here and it's like the images were flowing out of my pen just so easily it's or not necessarily easily but it just everything was coming right it's just right and it was it's hard to describe but uh, I was in the flow. I hope you get moments where you have something like that, where you're just, it's just working, 
and and you don't you don't want to stop and you just it's just working well and you're pleasing yourself with how well things are turning out um, anyway uh, that's uh, I'm, that's led me up to my uh, my first break on the show here so you are listening to dimland radio on the ztalk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'm your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons i'll return after this break I wanted you. And I was looking for you. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Z-Talk Radio is committed to bringing you the best radio possible. We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call-in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z-Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your healthy addiction. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, um, we just had uh, Columbus Day this past Monday and uh, saw a couple things on the internets. Not too much. And I... How shall I say this? <laughs> Was Columbus the evilest guy in the history of the planet? Uh, no. Um... Should he have his own holiday? I don't think so. I, I, I no. Uh, there are Italian Mer- Americans that might uh, disagree, but the Native Americans certainly don't want Columbus to have his his day of honor. And it it, it got me thinking about, and I shared the video on, on the Facebook a video that was put together by a fellow that a YouTuber that uh, goes by Knowing Better. Um, he's, he's otherwise he's fairly anonymous. I mean, you get to see him on, on camera, and I suppose if you dig enough on the internet, you can find him and figure out who he is. Uh, the information we know about him is that he's uh, um, uh, he's a teacher. I believe that's his profession. He's a teacher, 
and that uh, he had served in the military. He had done tours in Afghanistan, uh, and he owns ferrets. Um, he's I, he he does this. Um, he's got a whole series of videos. Um, some of them are about psychology. Some of them about history. Some of them about other other things where he you know he wants you to know better, uh, not to believe the myths out there and uh, things of that nature. And he pro he produced a video that uh, has over a, a million views that uh, he titled um, "In Defense of Columbus: An Exaggerated Evil." The the an exaggerated evil is the subtitle. And and I he he chose to call it in defense of Columbus and I, I, I'm not sure if that's exactly what he's doing but he's what he's doing in that in it's about a 30 minute long maybe a little more uh, video where he's ex he's trying to set things in context and trying to correct some of the misinformation that is being passed around about Columbus in order to make him look like the most evil man who's ever existed in, in the history of the world. Um, and uh, because there's, he uses various clips from other shows, like a History Channel show that had some derogatory things to say about Columbus, about the mistakes he made or how he didn't know what he was doing, or that kind of thing. And then there's um, some, some comedy routine uh, that's based on the TED Talks, but they call it Dead Talks, D-E-D, and it has some comedian actor dressed as Columbus, and he's just, he's doing this, you know, derogatory thing toward Columbus <laughs> there. Uh, and there's another uh, bit that he'll, he'll show some videos of, which is from uh, Adam Ruins Everything. Now, I've used uh, Adam's, Adam Ruins Everything as a way to explain how um, trophy hunting isn't necessarily a bad thing. It, it has to be well managed, but what trophy hunting can do in countries, in various countries in Africa, especially, uh, is it can, you know, if it's, and, it, and, and, they, and they stress well-managed programs. There are some countries like Namibia, oh God, did I get that right? Namibia? Uh, is is a, is a country that manages it well, and they they charge rich people who want to hunt exotic or animals or, or endangered species. They want to kill some of these things for whatever reason they want to do it. Uh, they charge them a lot of money, and they say, "Okay, you can take out this one." There's a there's a rogue male uh, rhinoceros that's uh, that's actually a danger to the other rhinoceroses, and you can take that one out. You know, they, they use that as an example, and. You know that, in the money that gets paid to them, then goes to farmers, as a way to subsidize them to help. You know to convince them. You know we'll give you this subsidy if you will leave this section of your land alone. Don't farm it. Leave it alone for the wildlife so they have habitat. Because that's there's two things mainly that are that are endangering species. Uh, one is main. I think the main one is the loss of habitat, but then there's poaching. So, if we try to protect habitat, so these animals have a place to live, that will help. And then other funding money goes to 
um, paying for the guards or rangers or whatever they would, whatever they're called to patrol the areas to try to stop and catch the poachers and stop the stuff. Uh, I'm, I wonder. I don't know if money is being used to try to educate uh, people in other parts of the world that they don't need rhino horns. They don't need rhino horn powder for an aphrodisiac or hangover cure or whatever whatever they think it's going to do because it's not going to do that. You don't need this stuff. Stop getting it. <laughs> I don't know, you know, it's just, that's that's you have to, that's that's one of the main things that's got to be done somehow to stop the demand for these products so that the poachers won't get any money for it. So, a well-managed trophy hunting program can actually save the lives of of species, of endangered species, to save them. It can do that. That's, you take out a few to save the many. And that's, you know, and I used that because I thought it was sound and everything like that. But in this Columbus video, apparently, <laughs> Adam ruins everything, got a bunch of stuff wrong, at least according to Knowing Better. I think Knowing Better presents a very good case that, you know, Hitler, uh, that uh, Columbus wasn't Hitler. <laughs> He, he, you know, he was not. He wasn't necessarily a hero, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't this this most evil guy ever. Um. So I, I won't go through everything, because then why would you watch the video? Uh, but I'll link to the video on the show notes page. It, he points out some of the stuff that got wrong. Um, for example, with with Adam ruins everything. This is the probably the simplest, easiest one to demonstrate that something that was wrong. Uh, in um, the, the Adam's Adam ruins everything segment, uh, he said that uh, uh, for centuries Columbus was a historical footnote. It just wasn't. Nobody knew who he was. And that changed in 1828 when Washington Irving, the author of Sleepy Hollow and other tall tales, that's he says that, and other tall tales. So that's sort of the, not just the Sleepy Hollow being a tall tale, but the, the biography of, of uh, Columbus being a, a tall tale. And it probably was. It was the, the hero creating uh, deal. He wasn't maybe you know maybe he he didn't have that hero image that we some of us of a certain age grew up having about Columbus. But then you know things started to become more contextualized, and I think it's gone over to a little too far where it's like you know, let's just remember when he was in existence and what was going on in the world then. What was the attitude was. Uh, for people in from Europe toward other people in other countries, and just you know, just just remember, you know. So he was a product of his time, that kind of thing. But um, he was a footnote, a historical footnote. And knowing better points out, oh, really? He was a historical footnote. Is that why um, Columbus, South Carolina, the capital of South Carolina, is called uh, Columbus, Columbia? Sorry, was it Columbia, South Carolina? No, no, no. It's either Columbus or Columbia. I think it is South Carolina. Which uh, it, it adopted that name in 1786. Uh, Washington D.C. the the C in D.C. stands for Columbia, District of Columbia, and Columbia. That's that's Columbus. That name comes from Columbus, and that uh, Washington D.C. the name was adopted in in 1790. And then there was uh, Columbus, Ohio, from 1812. There's the Columbia Territory 
1810, named that in 1810. Columbia Territory was the is the uh, Pacific Northwest, Washington State and Oregon and Idaho, so, so that up in that area. Uh, and then there was Columbia South, uh, Columbia South America, also from 1810, named after Columbus. This is all before 1828. He's not. He was not a historical footnote. We were naming cities and countries and territories after him. After all, and there's and then you know, there's the the phrase pre-Columbian when referring to uh, the, you know the time period here in America, you know before Columbus came to the Americas or opened the world to the Americas, the world that the old world to the new world. And he also, and knowing better, also mentions that the uh, Eric, uh, Leif Erikson, the, the Viking guy, who stepped foot in North America first. He would be the first European. I guess that's not, that may not be correct, Scandinavian, but let's European or white person to step foot on the North American continent. Yes, did that in about 985 CE. So that was way ahead of, of Columbus. Set up a settlement, stayed there for about a year. You know that the settlement lasted for about a year, and then they left and they went back and they forgot all about this America and they landed on uh, the east coast of Newfoundland and in Canada. It's it's just they forgot all about it. This is and the world did not take notice. The world took notice when Columbus made his voyages. So he's, I mean, there's there's pre-Columbian. And now there's and there's post-Columbian. Yeah, it's he opened this the 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 old world to the new world. That's that's his significance. He's not you know he's not a historical footnote. What he did had a an impact on the world. Had a bad impact on people who lived in this this area of the world on these on the American continents, um, north and south. Had a bad impact on them, definitely. He was not a great guy. But here's what um, here's what uh, knowing better kind of sums it up. He says, "Was Columbus a good guy? No. Was he a bad guy? If we look at him through the historical lens, not really. He wasn't any worse than anyone else. But if we hold him up to modern standards, yeah." He was a pretty bad guy, so he's he's not saying he's not a bad guy, and he, he does say there's there were other people contemporaries or just after him like uh, uh, Cortez, um, they were He says objectively worse. He even says the United States, the country was objectively worse at times to the native peoples. So you know he's he's trying he's being even-handed and putting stuff into into context. This is this. He was a human being. He was he was flawed like the human beings around him, and he yeah, and there, these are these things that happened. Should he have his own day again? I say no. He doesn't need it. And if we want to, and and this is a point knowing better makes as well. If we want to do a holiday that celebrates and acknowledges the 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 culture and the history of the native peoples of the Americas. Then we can do that, but he says, "But let's not make it hate Columbus Day. Let's let's make it a day that celebrates the significance of the native peoples of the Americas. Let's do that. 
let's just not have it be we all hate Columbus so uh, you know I posted it I said there was a friend who made a comment not on my post but just uh, separately on on her own and just said you know she was saddened by how many people were defending Columbus that particular day and I I I haven't talked to her about it since uh I hope she didn't see me defend. I wasn't exactly defending. It's just let's 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 put stuff into perspective in a historical sense. Um, I again, it's just you know, was he a bad guy? By today's standards, yeah, he was. He was a pretty bad guy. Okay, <sighs> let's see. Um, where am I at in the show? Oh, I'm up to my next break. Wow. That took that came quick. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll return after this break. News. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I'm Mick West. In my podcast, Tales from the Rabbit Hole, I have extended conversations with people who have been involved in conspiracy culture. I do this for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it's really interesting. These people have great stories about how they fell down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, what they did down there, and what it was that helped them out. Sometimes I also talk to people who investigate conspiracy theories, and they have equally fascinating stories from the other side. Secondly, I want to understand how best to prevent the spread of conspiracy theories and misinformation, which is an increasing problem in a time when alternative media is exploding. The best way to do this is to communicate effectively with the people involved, and the best way to do that is with a nice long chat. Check it out. Tales from the Rabbit Hole. TFTRH.com Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. You're listening to Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I got one of these. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> there's yoga. 
Yoga is a meditative, calming, relaxing form of low impact or no impact stretching and strengthening exercise. It's what it is. And if you take it for that, no big deal. Nothing wrong with it. You want to do yoga? That 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 works. It's for me. Uh, I don't know. I suppose if I started doing it and I got good at it, uh, being on the floor wouldn't bother me. But uh, being on the floor bothers me. I'm not meant to be on the floor. I got the aches, and pains, and hips, and the bad back and the knees and all that crap. I am getting old. <laughs> uh, no, I am old. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. I am old. I'm I'm closing in on 55. 55. Well, anyway. But you also know that yoga has a bunch of this metaphysical, new age bullshit wrapped up around it. Aligning your chakras and, 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 and healing your energy and balancing your checkbook, whatever. You know, it's just there's, there's all this nonsense that they throw in there that... It just doesn't, you know. It's like it doesn't need to be there. It's you're you're doing stretches. You're 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 doing some exercise. That's not a cardiovascular kind of thing. You're not getting all out of breath and working your your heart and lungs, but you're you're working your muscles and your flex. You know, being able to be a little more flexible and and all that, and it's fine. Uh, but you don't need all the rest of that crap thrown in there but it's there it's 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 there and then it, it then that wasn't enough then the marketing had to take place something had to we had to figure out ways to i don't know for somebody to come up with a way to make money off of it so they came up with uh, videos and and instruction classes on well one of the first ones was mommy and baby yoga that's where the mommy and the baby, um, you know, mommy does yoga and uses the baby as a weight, or, and then the baby lays with mom next to mommy as mommy does their yoga. It's, it's, it, I suppose there's daddy and, and baby yoga as well, but it's I, what I found on the internet all seemed to center on the mommy. But you know, it, it, so there was that, and then after uh, sometime after mommy yoga, there became puppy yoga. Uh, so. That's where you have you do yoga in a room full of puppies, and you let the puppies crawl on you and 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 play with you while you're doing your yoga. Which, being puppies, they're probably not necessarily all paper trained or potty trained or however you want to, you know. And you might end up with a nice little pile of uh, puppy doo doo uh, right in your face as you're doing downward dog. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And it's an, and then if puppy yoga isn't your thing. You got cat yoga, and again, it's just letting the cats crawl all over you, which is great, you know, because you know those cats they like to they like to knead at you, and if they got their nails, ooh, that's fun, that's fun. So that you can do that for yoga, and if you got allergies to cats, well, then you might have skipped that class. And then so if that cat yoga isn't working, you've got goat yoga, goat yoga. So you have these little goats climb on you while you're doing your yoga and walk around you and all that and they can leave their little pellet poops in front of you while you're doing downward dog or downward goat or whatever it's just so you can do goat yoga and if you don't want to do goat yoga there's llama yoga they're kind of like goats they're just bigger 
So you can't have them crawl on you or anything, but you can lean against the llama while you're doing it's doing that. Now be sure to wash after you do it because you can get stuff from these animals. But if you're not into yoga with a you know with some animal or a baby, you can do special yoga in a room. Oh, a room made of salt, uh, and not just any salt. It's got to be that pink Himalayan salt because that's the special salt. That's not that iodinized crap that'll poison you, even though the iodine is good for you, um, or you know, in the amounts. It poisons in the dose. But, you know, you could do a salt room yoga. Alright? You get your pink Himalayan salt and you do yoga in that room and that'll help you out for I don't know why. So, and But if you're not into that, you can do hot yoga. You've got you go into a sauna and you get all hot and sweaty while you're doing your yoga. That'll be great. Won't it? Oh, and if you're not into that, you've got aerial yoga. Aerial yoga is where you go to some yoga studio and they've got all these these scarf-like straps hanging from the ceiling and they teach you how to suspend yourself using the, these, these straps to kind of float in the air as you're doing yoga. And then, I saw this this week on the local morning news. There's rage yoga. Which is, seems like it says the opposite of the whole idea of yoga in the first place. To be meditative, relaxing form of exercise. It's this, this yoga is yoga where you yell, scream, listen to some, you know, hot guitar licks, rock music, uh, and, and let go of that F-bomb that you've been holding on to all day. That's that kind of yoga, and this it's it's and to give credit to the anchors for the the morning news that I watch, they both were chuckling at this idea, and um, but you know the idea is you let all that negative energy out of you, whatever negative energy is, you let all that out through yelling and swearing while you're doing the yoga thing. And and the the the, the, the female of the the anchors, uh, a woman named Alex, said, uh, "Well, she does. She prefers to let out the negative energy at home, uh, laying on the floor in the fetal position." And I thought that was kind of funny. And it, so, it, it, and and they, they they say because of the swearing, you might not want to bring your kids. You might not want to bring your goats either, because the goats might get scared and faint. It's and and. The other aspect of this is that the, 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 the yoga classes take place in local breweries. So you can have a beer while you're doing your yoga. Beer while exercising. Interesting. <laughs> there's a video, I'll link to it, where there's a woman that, that came up with this marketing scam, scheme idea for, for yoga. Like, like yoga, again, yoga by itself is not enough. You've got to add all the rest of this bullshit to it for some reason. Just do it, you know. Just doing yoga isn't enough. So anyway, so she's she's out there. She's saying this this isn't going to be for everybody, and that's okay. And she did say something that I found somewhat amusing, where she says, "Or and you and you can give uh, what she likes to call fist unicorns. That's giving the finger, fist unicorns." I thought that was kind of clever. And on their website, uh, you can sign up 
to uh, you pay a mere two hundred dollars and you can sign up to learn how to be an instructor of rage yoga however you do have to first be certified as a yoga person I think you do a 200 hour certification I don't know if you do it through them or if there's some I don't know some yoga institute some American government yoga institute place where people learn how to be yoga instructors but if you want to be a rage yoga instructor, you have to first be a, you know, a regular yoga instructor qualified to learn how to, you know, to do the other stuff, pay the 200 bucks. But if you just want to, if you want to be uh, part of this yoga course, uh, you can pay $170 and you get signed up for like a six-week course where there's two videos each week and there's access to other kinds of stuff that you can learn how to be rageful while you do your yoga. I mentioned this to my wife while we were driving into work the other day. And she just said, she just scoffs and says, ah, just shut up and do your stretches. <laughs> yeah, just shut up and do your stretches. I have a movie recommendation for everybody. Uh, we just saw it, uh, my wife, my son, and I. Uh, uh, Amy and I had our, our 18th wedding anniversary last weekend, last Sunday, the 13th. We've been married 18 years. Uh, I played the happy anniversary sounder, but I can't find it, so why do it? Um, and it, we were thinking, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I don't know. Do you want to do something with Hayden or just us? Whatever. And he said, well, she said, I kind of like this stuff with Hayden. Said, so we could do a movie and dinner. And so, okay. And then Hayden said, let's go see Joker. And we said, yeah. We all said, that's a good idea. And if you will recall, if you've listened to the show for a while, it was a few months ago when the first teaser trailer came out for Joker. And it showed that Joaquin Phoenix was going to be playing the part of Arthur Fleck, who becomes Joker in this movie. Um, that came out, and I even blogged about it at the time. Someone on Facebook had to be the first person to hate the movie. Yeah, this is the, They couldn't wait for the movie to come out. They had to hate it because of the teaser trailer. They had, to, they had to, because the the producers of the movie had the temerity to not cast the person that they would have cast, which would have been Willem Dafoe. Now Willem Dafoe might have been a fine Joker, but having seen the movie, I think he might have been a little too old for the character. Maybe. But seeing that Joaquin Phoenix was going to play him, I thought. He'll be fine. He'll be good. He's a good actor. He's, he does good work. I've seen his, his movies. He's good. And and so I thought that, that looks... And the teaser trailer to me got me interested. This looks like it might be intriguing. And and you... So so the movie comes out. And uh, um, we go see... We, we went to see it last weekend. And we thought it was really good. It's it's a slow build, you know. It's uh, Joaquin Phoenix does play Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck is a it's a it's a fellow who has mental illness, 
um, he has a condition that um, when he's in a highly tense situation, uh, when he's scared, um, when he's you know um, he, f- he feels threatened or anything like that, he starts to laugh uncontrollably. He just laughs, and he's he, you know, and he's trying to, you know eke out a living in Gotham City as a as a clown who will do advertising gigs, you know, stand out with a sign to get people to come into the store, or he'll do uh, parties uh, for kids and that, and he's he loves being doing the clown thing, but the world keeps crapping on him, and he's you know he's 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 seeing some government. Uh, subsidized uh, health care, mental health care person that doesn't really seem to pay attention and he's on medications and then funding funding goes away he can't afford his medications he's living with his mother the mother that who also has mental illness and he takes care of her and he's things are happening in his world and you know with his mother and then with his work and with his just you know his 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 illness that he's be, he's breaking down he, you're watching him slowly come apart and at the same time you're watching Gotham City also break down and as 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 Arthur beca- things become more and more difficult for him it's becoming more and more difficult uh, un- un- untenable for the city and the the 99 percenters are angry at the one percent and this we start the movie learning that there's a there's a garbage strike that's been going on for some time and this and the city of this just is just falling into despair and anger and and arthur is falling the same way and he has a hero on television who is a, a johnny carson type late night talk show guy who's played by robert de niro who was De Niro was okay in the movie. He was he was okay. Could have been somebody else. Didn't have to be him. But um, you, and there's moments in the film where you don't know: is this a fantasy in his mind? Is this real? Is it what's going on here? You, and that's you're not you're not supposed to know until they let you know. And it and it's like I said, it's a slow build. And then you know, and then when things begin to happen, it's it's something. Um, it's I. I I've been, I was thinking about the movie you know, pretty much all week long, <laughs> thinking about this movie and 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 how how good it is and how really good Joaquin Phoenix is as as Arthur Fleck and as Joker. And it, my Amy said this after we watched the movie, and I was thinking the same thing that um, she said that they really used Joaquin Phoenix's physicality in this movie. Uh, I don't know if you know this about the guy, but he has uh, his right shoulder really turns forward. It's like he's got this sunken chest kind of thing happening. And I don't know if that's due to an accident or if that's just how his body is. He has that. And in, and in his other roles, he tries to you know minimize that look. But in this one, they did lots of scenes with him with his shirt off, just, just in his underwear, and just his body being twisted and all that just really playing up on on how he looks and i think he's lost some weight for the movie and it's just it's just so it's really uh deeply 
um, intriguing and disturbing movie, and it's it's a it's as much about mental illness uh, as it is about uh, society's uh, failure to adequately help people that to deal with this kind of illness. Uh, it's just it's really a good thought provoking movie, and I and I I thought it, everybody in it did a you know most everybody in it did a really good job. Again, De Niro. I don't know. <laughs> and there's a there's a moment in well, um, Arthur wants to be a stand-up comic, and he's working on routines. And he, there's a moment in there where he finally does do some stand-up, which apparently got videotaped by the club, and the video got out to out to uh, this this talk show host, this late night talk show host, and he decides to show it to his audience to because it didn't really go well. And he pokes fun at it. And then to me, I thought that felt wrong to me. Why would nobody would do that? This guy's just starting out in comedy. Everybody has a bad night. But the more I thought about it, I thought this is just another symptom of Gotham City because the, the, the late night talk show comes from Gotham. It's, it's just another symptom of the city falling apart, the, the loss of decorum between people. And, and, and you know, and here's a here's this guy that's maybe a representative of the establishment and the one percent crapping on the on the rest of us even though the rest of us are having a joke they're laughing at it too you know in the, in the audience it's just it's really 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 well done it's a good movie um i've heard some people like walking out on it and not liking it or stuff like that but i don't know the heck with you people <laughs> i think it's a really well art is subjective you know what may be good for you may not be good for everybody else but i say you should check out joker good night good night frau blucher and the end of another Dimland radio has descended upon us. Uh, you've been, uh, well, uh, be skeptical and extraordinary claims that require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. Check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network.
And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.